Welcome to Theology Thursday, an ecumenical space for students to discuss matters of faith and theology. I'm your host, Connor Grubbs. I am your co-host, Ryan Mock. Johnny is no longer with us. He's gone. He's gone. He fired. He went to a better place. We had to... We had to fire him because he died. In a marching band accident. Johnny's Johnny's fine. He's just not on the show anymore. Johnny's still on the show. He's just... He's being dumb. You said it. <laughs> uh, well, someday, maybe our co-host will be back at this table. We can only hope. We can only hope. In the meantime, I desperately need a haircut. Yeah. You want to you wanna give me a haircut, Ryan? Yeah, I'll give you a haircut. Have you ever given anybody a haircut before? No. No. You know, when I, um, <clears throat> when I was real young, every summer I would get a mohawk. I remember this. I knew you when, in, in at least some of the mohawk days. Yeah, I don't. The summer re- that we met, you had a mohawk. I think I. I think that was probably the last summer. I think, I think when I was. got into middle school, I stopped getting a mohawk. But that was like the the tradition. Like I just every summer, I got a mohawk. It's a strange tradition, Ryan. I'm glad that you don't continue. Actually, maybe I'm not. Maybe I miss it. Maybe you should bring it back. I should bring mohawk. it back. Yep. What What inspired you to do that? I thought it was cool. And it was cool. People liked it. You still think it was cool? Well, it was cool for child me to do it. If I did it today, I don't know if it would go over as well. But definitely for, like, third grade Ryan, Mohawk, yeah, it was cool. And looking back, I'd say, yeah, that was cool that third grade Ryan did that. Why are you judging me? I'm just trying to think, because when we met, were you sixth grade going into seventh or fifth grade going into sixth? I would have been fifth grade going into sixth. So we met the summer before you started middle school. Yep. Which would have been my last my last year of middle school. You were in going into sixth. I would have been going into eighth. Are you or sure about that? What what graduating class are you? No, maybe you know, we're you're, just a year apart. We're yeah, just a year. you're the same graduating class as Bill. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Yep. I'm 2018. That's right. So I would have been going into seventh grade. Yep. I never tried a mohawk, but I did let my hair grow very long at times. And this has not been by choice. It's just kind of, I I just forget. I get busy. And, uh, Same thing happens with me. I'll get a haircut, and then I'll be like, okay, two two months from now, I'm going to get another haircut. And then two months passes, I'm just like... See, yeah, I really... I, I have to do it, like, every month, or it... Because it grows back so fast. But the problem is, you know, there's a certain stage where it's like, okay, I just wear a hat. Yeah. But now it's gotten to the stage where it looks goofy when I wear a hat, too, because there's so much <laughs> coming out the side. Yeah. But it's too long for me not to wear a hat, because it's just coming in my face the whole time, like this. Yeah. And I can't see you anymore. And I want to see you because you have, an, you have a wonderful smile. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We should probably stop talking about my haircut and your wonderful smiles uh, and get on to our sub point. Ryan, uh, what's the sub point today? It's your turn. The sub point's very sad. We're going to have to make Johnny do the sub point next week. I mean, he's been slacking. He so. has, yeah. He's got a lot homework. to make up for. He owes us. It's got to be the best sub point we've had in yeah. a year. It better make me cry. 
it is apparently this one's sad. Am I going to cry? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how much of a connection you have to this. But the sad news is the Holy Land experience is closed for good. I've never been to the Holy Land experience. I've heard a lot about it. Yeah, I've isn't that, actually isn't that uh, in the area, isn't that in Orlando or something? It's yeah, it's like right across the street from the First Baptist Church of Orlando, where all those conferences are. We went to the youth pastor summit there. That's right, we did. I, and 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 LigCon yes, is which there. I've never been to, but ten out of ten would recommend. Um, but yeah, yeah. So the Holy Land experience, it's in Orlando. It is closing down for good. So for those who don't know. Because even though I haven't been, I know what it is. But yeah. for those who don't know, what is the Holy Land experience? The Holy Land experience is like the Disney World for the Bible. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's like the the Bible themed Disney World. It's not as big. It's uh, it's it's only I think it's like eighteen acres. Uh, but uh, they they have Bible themed attractions. Um, are there like rides? They're, 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 I don't think it's more like rides, but like the activities and apparently they had a, an 80, an $80,000 animatronic of John Wycliffe. So. so are you in the Holy Land? Or are you in Jerusalem? <laughs> yeah, I because guess. Because if you are, then why is John Wycliffe there? <laughs> because, <laughs> well, it's like, you know, like Disneyland, you have like Tomorrowland I, and then you have like Oh, so there's like I I don't know. I've never been there myself. You go from Jerusalem into the Reformation into like Yeah, they have all I guess that they have a wide variety of things. There's I thought you were about to say John Wayne, and that would have made me really happy <laughs> that you're just walking through like this this uh replica of Jerusalem and there's just an eighty thousand dollar John Wayne animatronic. They have uh the Trinity mini golf course. That Trinity. That seems kind of blasphemous. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about something more blasphemous later. Okay, oh, that has to do with the subpoint. Good. But anyways, um, yeah, just to let everybody know uh, and uh, give you some time to mourn and grieve over this, uh, it, the 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 Holy Land experience is around for 20 years. You know, it opened in in, two, in 2001 uh, by a Messianic Jew uh, who, uh, who who converted to Christianity in the in the late 80s. Uh, he became a Baptist minister, and then he's like, well, I'll just make a theme park about the Bible. And so he did. Uh, and there's something like this. There's always controversy around something like this because there's accusations that he's this is just deployed to convert the Jews. It might have been. I don't know. Uh, and uh, there's also tax issues, <laughs> you know. It's like— um, so is the Bible-themed uh, theme park, uh, is that tax-exempt? Uh, and it turns out, it is. So what happened was um, in 2000—let uh, me find it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. So, yeah, local authorities says that they said that the, the theme park should pay about $160,000 per year in taxes— uh, but then, in 2006, our glorious governor, Jeb Bush, Jeb Bush, signed a law that carved out an exception for theme parks that displayed biblical manuscripts and waived ad admission at least one day a year. That seems like a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, yeah, so they, they became tax-exempt. Uh, so, but despite the tax breaks... 
uh, they they couldn't get people to show up. <laughs> Every year they lost. They they had less and less annual visitors, uh, and then it was it, it was bought out by um, it was bought out by Trinity Broadcasting Network. That makes sense. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> uh, they bought it out in in two thousand and seven, uh, which would have been right before the two thousand eight recession. Uh, so and right after they got uh, tax, tax exempt, exempt status. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so apparently that helped them out a little bit, but. Again, they just kept going. It just kept going down. The recession helped them out a little bit, or the tax exemption. No, no. Um, uh, TBN purchasing. The, yeah. It helped. It helped the the theme park out a little bit. Um, but each year they were losing more and more money until they're just like. And surely COVID, while it was not the cause of them closing down, surely sped up the process. Uh, another. So one thing I want to bring up. Is in reading this article, I was I came across another place that oh. I um, I had never heard of before, but it was just mentioned in passing in this article as another example. But apparently, Bible themed tourist traps and amusement parks are not an uncommon thing. Really? Yes. So there's some Holy Land knockoffs out there. There are, um, and so. I discovered the Golgotha Fun Park. <laughs> no, Ryan. Yes, you heard me Ryan, right. Ryan, no. <laughs> if you're somehow, if you're new to the to this channel or whatever, you, you're not familiar with like anything about the story of Jesus, that is, in fact, where he was crucified. So making a fun park out of it is... Uh, so the Golgotha uh, fun uh, park, like there's Trinity, <laughs> you know, mini golf, and then there's putting fun in Golgotha in the same sentence. Yes, and and the sign for the park, it's Golgotha fun park, and fun park's just like in in like basic fun print, and then Golgotha's like Golgotha, <laughs> and so Golgotha fun park is actually another miniature golf course. Uh, in in Kentucky, it's right outside of the Mammoth Cave uh, National Park. So, like, do you get to the end of the putt putt course, and there's like a tomb with the stone rolling in and out, and you got to get it in while it's open? I think so. How it is? So I I went online and I looked this up and I saw a few pictures. It's closed now. It closed like in in the early two thousands, um, but the first nine holes are Old Testament themed. And really the place is decorated with like lawn ornaments, like gnomes and stuff, but like biblical themed stuff. And so like they have uh, they have a whale and the mouth is open and Jonah's chilling inside of the whale, like this this lawn ornament Jonah, just chilling. And you have there you have one one uh uh, hole where it's like you have to get it in between the two uh, stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. Very um, good. And it, it goes in chronological order. They start off with, with Adam and Eve being cast out from Eden. And and then so the last holes are New Testament themed. And so they do have, I guess they have a Golgotha. They, they, have, they have the three crosses. And then the last hole actually... <laughs> 
the last hole is actually the ascension of Christ. So you have to actually hit the ball uphill. And then at the end is Jesus. And they do have actual Jesuses, plural. They have multiple Jesuses. So here's what I want to know. Was this made by somebody who claimed to be a Christian, or was this made by an atheist who was who was purposely trying to be irreverent? No, I, I this is I, this is one hundred percent serious. This was done in earnest. Yes. So I highly recommend that when you go home tonight, uh, or if you're sitting in your home listening to this, you Google the Golgotha Fun Park. This is like one of the worst examples of the evangelical industrial complex. I wish this Johnny like was it here at its extreme. I wish Johnny was here because he would have loved to hear about this. You did a good sub point. He's gonna have a hard time beating it. Yeah. Um. So and and I know many of you are probably like especially regular listeners and anybody who spends any time on Twitter and is you know keeps up with stuff you're probably wondering why wasn't the sub point about Portland which by the way Ryan was on vacation so he hasn't even heard about Yeah, I have no idea what's the going Portland on in Portland in, in, in a, incident yet. So what we're going to do is we are going to talk about that but it's going to be on our after show now only uh, patrons can experience the after show. Um, and you can get into that. It's it's every week we continue the conversation exclusively for our patrons. You can get into that at our lowest tier. Tier one, three dollars a month. Three dollars a month is that's a that's a pretty good deal. That's that's less than a Wendy's four for four. Yeah. Junior bacon cheeseburger. Usually get no mayo, then honey mustard for the dipping sauce. Cherry Coke for the drink. That's four twenty eight. And for after tax. for less than that, what you're getting is it, this is honest. It's like a three for four because there's usually four episodes in a month. Yeah, and that means four after shows. So that's a steal right there. That's you're, a steal. you're losing money if you didn't become a Patreon. At, at yeah, at least tier one. Then tier two, you get the added bonus of our monthly reading hour show, which I actually really enjoy. I think we have some good conversations. That's a a lot longer than the after show. That's more like a full-length episode, and we talk about books that we're reading. And then uh, tier three, which is is twelve dollars a month. Now that's it's a little pricey, but mind you, you're getting merch sent to your door on a quarterly basis, like exclusive merch. So uh, shirts, mugs, hats. Well, do we have? We should get. Pez dispensers. Pez dispensers. Yes. I was I was going to say pins. I saw a video the other day that literally changed my life about Pez. Really, like the positive or negative? Well, I, I'm going to say negative because of the time that I learned it. Because obviously, I'm I'm not spending a whole lot of time eating Pez now. So I'm like, man, why did I know this when I was a kid? If I, I do learned enjoy this a long time ago. Because I, I collected, I had a bunch of them. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I do like Pez. So, little candies. Ha, explain to me when you open your Pez. Yeah. How would you put the pieces in? How would I put them? Like the only way I know how to put the, you know, you just. You you'd open up the wrapper. Yeah. And you'd put them in like one at a time. Yeah, one at a time. Closing it, right? Yep, yep. Dude, so you know how you could take the thing, you could like pull it up where like the whole thing was open. Yeah. And it was like it would lock. Yeah. This blew my mind. This is this is gonna blow your mind. I gotta show you a video afterwards, dude. They designed those dispensers to where you put the whole thing, the the whole 
candy thing in with the wrapper no on, and then you close it, and it takes the wrapper off for you. No way. It takes like two seconds. You just put the whole thing in, and then you pop the head back in, and the way that the plastic's set up, it actually like just completely rips the wrapper off, and it comes out the bottom. I had no idea. I never knew that. And I'm like, why didn't it like, have that on the back of the box or something like explaining that? I feel like I need to go buy a Pez dispenser now. Yeah. No, it made me, I'm like, I want to start collecting Pez again. Because, like, you know, as an adult, you don't have time to be putting them in one at a time. But if you can, you can grab that thing and just... Yeah, locked and loaded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. You need to, like, say something interesting, because i got to go turn the AC on before we continue this. It's oh, very boy. warm in here. It, it is kind of toasty. Unfortunately, <clears throat> I was delivering pizzas today, and it rained really bad, and I don't have any AC in my car, so I had to roll the windows up because of the rain, and I was just getting really sweaty. Like, my face is probably very greasy right now, because I was just sweating all over, then I had to go deliver the pizzas, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's just, it's just awful. It's just awful. First world problems, I guess. First world problems, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Well, I guess they have pizza delivery in third world countries, too. Ryan, I'm very excited. You know why I'm excited? Why is that? Because uh, we have lots of questions from listeners. Really? And we haven't had a lot of questions from listeners this Ooh, season. We got a surge of questions. We got a, we got a big old surge of questions. And, and they are good questions. They're really good questions. Ooh. We got a lot of really good... We, we have enough probably to get us through the rest of the season. Where did all these questions come from? I just... I wasn't getting any questions, so I posted something. Sometimes I just have to go out on the social medias and put out a prompt and be like, Hey, you guys got any Bible questions? We'll answer them on our podcast. And dude, not only did I get a lot of comments, but they were good. I was like, this can be a fun episode. Was this on Facebook? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um... And I put it out on all the outlets. Uh, f- and, and it's weird. Sometimes I get a bunch on Instagram. Sometimes I get a bunch on Twitter. It's just kind of a game of chance. Uh, mm-hmm. But this time it was the Facebooks. This week's question comes from Lewis. So Lewis sent the following question. Why are there so many religions? Does it matter which religion you pick? Could you so there's kind of there's a couple parts to this question. This is a layered it's, it's, question. Okay. Like onions. So so and, and, and we're gonna go through the three parts of the question basically one at a time. Okay. Could you be Christ like without being a Christian? Okay, so that's the second question. Then the third question, if that's a yes, then does it matter which religion you practice because you're acting Christ like? Basically, like, does it doesn't matter? Like, if it, it, what I'm hearing here is like, it seems to me that Lewis is compelled by the person of Jesus, mm-hmm. and like, basically posing the question: Do you have to be a Christian, or can you kind of follow any religion and just try to live like Christ did, because he was a good dude? Um, and it's a fair question. I actually really like this question. Yes. And I'm looking forward to talking about it, but I want to go through this one one piece at a time. Okay, yeah. One one um, baby steps here. 
So the first is, why are there so many religions? Okay. And to be honest, I'd have to ask the people who started all these different religions. <laughs> I feel like that's, you know, the reason there are so many religions, in my opinion, I mean, just kind of a simple answer, is that I believe most human beings know that there is something beyond themselves and that you know all these different worldviews and religious religious system systems are attempts at understanding um that higher power whatever it may be um so they they are man's attempts to answer uh these big existential questions um what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, so theologians say that that humans have a sense of the divine, that there's something in us that that seems to indicate that there's something beyond us, right? That it's not just you know what we see and and hear, but there's something beyond the five senses, and there's something beyond the material world. So that's what we call the sense of the divine, and and perhaps that's tugging at us. Um, but so everybody has, or at least most people, I think, have a sense of the divine. Um, they have to do something with that. You yeah. know? Like, how do we make sense of this? Uh, how do we make sense of the material world and, and how, it, how it exists? Um, so, yeah, I think that, yeah, religions are just a way for people to try and understand why we're here and 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 how all of this is here, you know. Yeah. And there, there's something there's something special about humans too, mm -hmm. right? Because we're different than the fish and the birds and and the dogs. Well, I like dogs, uh, but we're different from all the other animals, and so. I have to ask the question, you know, why are we different? Why are we the only ones who who think like we do and, and talk and communicate like we do? Why are we so different? Maybe there's something special about us. So I think many of these, these religions are trying to answer those questions. Um, but we know that there's only one true religion. Um, and so why... Why are all these other false religions? Well, they don't have access to the special revelation that you know, God has has given us, um, and so that they're, that's their attempts to try and figure it out on their own. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we have so many different religions because these are all attempts at explaining the divine. Yes. And finding purpose. Yes. Um. So, yeah. Um, and, and people are kind of coming up with, with different answers. So I think you can kind of sum up the rest of the questions really into one cr question is, um, uh, does it matter which religion you pick? Well, that's a good question, right? You know, like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, cause can't you just like be like Jesus? Like, does it, does it, is there really only one way to have it? And, and, and here's the reason I like this question. And I like the way it was worded, like, kind of before saying like well doesn't matter which is is like what if i just want to be christ-like like is that enough is because anybody who's heard my kind of faith story before knows that i came to a point in my walk where um i was seeing a lot of the hypocrisy in the church within christianity and i was like if this is christianity i don't really want anything to do with this and 
to answer that second question, can someone who's not a Christian be Christ-like? Uh, I would say yes. The simple answer is yes. Um, in, in that uh, I was meeting Buddhists and Muslims and atheists who acted more like Jesus just in terms of being selfless and loving and humble and kind than a lot of people that I grew up around that claimed to be Christians. You know, like they, people that were of other religious uh, worldviews that emulated the character of Christ better than people who claimed to be Christ followers. And so there was this disconnect for me. So I think I, I kind of relate to this question because that was sort of where I, I was at at one point is... Well, what is what does any of this matter? Because if this is what Christians act like, I don't want anything to do with it. Um. So that journey of well, who's right about God? You know, what does it matter which religion we pick? Um. For me, there there was two two conclusions I came to because I studied you know a bunch of different major world religions. Um. And, and w- on one one. Uh, one realization I came to really appealed to the the intellectual side of this conversation, and another was was a, uh, admittedly a little more emotional. Uh, but they they both really helped me answer this question at least. So, um, I wanna I wanna address the intellectual side of things first. Mm-hmm. But if you have any thoughts before we get into it, which you feel free. To which share. question am I answering? So we're going to talk about doesn't matter which religion you choose. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, briefly, before you go into your intellectual argument here, um, man, if, if picking a religion was like picking an ice cream flavor, then it wouldn't matter. But if a religion does have eternal significance, then I, I think that it, it does, you know. Yes. Um, I, it's kind of like Pascal's Wager. Mm-hmm. And Pascal's wager says, you know, if, if God does exist, then then uh, it does it does matter that we'd follow him. But if it doesn't, then it doesn't really matter that we were following, trying to follow something, anyways. Um, right, because it, it, with with the the thought that that's bringing up is like, okay, if 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 you end up getting you end up dying and he's not real and you just cease to exist. What was the worst that happened? Yeah, you, you tried to love people and be a better person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah. if 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 he is real and there's an eternal damnation on the other side, yeah. Now, by the <laughs> way, Pascal's wager is not an argument for the existence of God. Um, I think if you'd used it as an argument for the existence of God, it's kind of a crappy argument. Oh, sure, yeah. But what Pascal's wager does, and I think does very effectively, is it makes you stop and think for a moment, right. like, hey. Maybe I should pause and at least examine the sure. truth claims of, of these different religions, you know, uh, because, gosh, if I am wrong about this, then that's a big thing to be wrong about. Sure. So, so this is not an argument for God's existence, but it's merely saying, pause for a second and think about this, you yeah. know, examine the truth claims. Go ahead. The truth claims. Okay, so that's really the intellectual argument here is... Is there anything that Christ taught or said? Is there anything that the Christian worldview frames for us that are absolute truth claims? Mm-hmm. Um, because to say, I just want to be Christ-like, I think God's real, but it doesn't really matter what religion, like, we'll end up there, doesn't fit with what Christ said because he made several absolute truth claims that set him apart 
um, and, and set the gospel and the Christian message apart. Okay, mm-hmm. so I want to examine just a few of those truth claims. Um, there are several things about Christianity that you know I found directly contradict other other religious truth claims because every religion, almost every religion, has absolute truth claims, right? Yeah. So. Um, what do you do when those absolute truth claims are in contradiction with each other? Well, you can't just have this any path leads to heaven sort of thing because people are saying, no, this is the way. Um, and when those things start to contradict each other, there's a problem. Yeah. Um, so the main passages that come to mind are, are where Jesus is, is claiming to be God, right? Uh, John 10.30, he says, I and the Father are one. Um, You know, people will be like, well, there's never a moment where Jesus literally says the word, I am God. That's what he's saying here. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, he's pretty clear about it. (laughs) Um, And then uh, Mark 8, uh, this is 27 through 30. Jesus went on with his disciples um, to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, who do you people say that I am? And they told him John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. Okay, so just a a cool guy. We should try to be like you because you're a good dude. And he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about it. So um, for him to claim to be the Christ, he's, he's claiming to be the Messiah, to be God. And once again, and then I think uh, the biggest verse that comes to mind for people uh, is uh, John fourteen six? Jesus said, "And I'm the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." Mm-hmm. That sounds like uh, a pretty exclusive claim. Yeah. Uh, so I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. So honestly, this is the first verse that pops into my head. If you're asking, does it matter which religion you pick? This is uh, where Jesus makes it clear that this is this is exclusive uh there there is no other way there is no other path okay so from an intellectual standpoint there's a lot about uh the christian message that just doesn't line up with other religions when you start going to other religions uh you know for islam they don't actually have any guarantee of salvation and it's not based on anything that god has done for you yeah, it's based on you obeying him and hoping that your good deeds outweigh your bad. Okay, so that's what your eternal destiny hinges on. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you start to get into Buddhism, Hinduism, um, even some modern cults like Scientology, and there's reincarnation and um, uh, modes of sacrifice and all these different things to kind of appease God or the gods. Um, things that. Christianity does not teach um, and so uh, you, you get to this point where you're like yeah these these things can't really coexist that Jesus makes it clear I, I am the only way to the Father um, so that's kind of one way to frame an intellectual argument that I do think Jesus makes it clear that this is this is exclusive this is the way any other things that you would bring up when it comes to just kind of an, uh, a, a purely um, logical approach to this? Yeah, I would also like to add that not only does Jesus make these truth claims, but Jesus himself 
actually existed and the accounts that we have for Jesus, for the historical Jesus, I think are reliable and trustworthy and accurate, you know. Um, and so I think that he actually did resurrect from the dead, you yeah. know. Um, and so it's more than just us saying, you know, Jesus said this about himself, so we believe him. But it's Jesus actually validated his claims, yeah. right? If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then he wasn't actually God. But uh, he did rise from the dead. Yeah. So that all can get you there up here. Like, okay, that makes sense. But I think for me, the thing that actually led to my conversion experience um, uh, was that coupled with just being compelled to the person of Jesus Christ in that every other religious worldview framework that I was given was about me finding a way to get to God. It was giving me the tools and kind of the framework to climb my way up to God. There is no other religion, no other worldview that tells us that God came down to us. Right? And that, that is the gospel message, that we cannot save ourselves. And so God became man and and sacrificed himself to save us. That's a that's a beautiful message. And and there was just such hope in that. Because I, I think I found myself really burnt out and tired and realizing like I can't do this. And this is this is the only the only God who cares enough about me to make this kind of a sacrifice. And, and I think that's really, really powerful. Um, t- and, and I think it's important to recognize that you go and study other religions and all this stuff. Uh, n- no other God is claiming to do that for you. Um, and, and this is the only uh, message, the, the hope of the gospel. It's the only thing that I found hope in and, uh, and continue to find hope in. Uh, even as I, you know, my theology, even if you were to watch, you know, this whole, you know, all the episodes of this podcast, you see, like, as my theology changes and my understanding of certain parts of Scripture changed or are challenged, and as I'm trying to work out all the details of, you know, doctrine, uh, there's this one truth that I can hold on to and have hope in, and that is that God cares about me and that he proved it. By sending his son to die on the cross for me. Yes. It might sound cheesy. It might sound cliche. And um, it is. But the person of Jesus gives me hope. Yes. The idea of God incarnate in the flesh um, coming to fix the problem because he, he knew that I'd just keep screwing it up is is hopeful. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of my answer. Like, go back to the analogy you were saying earlier. If religions were just like ice cream flavors, this would be the best flavor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so It'd be like the, um, the the mint chocolate chip or the cheesecake flavor. Yeah. yeah. You go into the fact that uh, you know other religions have major points of contradiction within themselves, whereas I think um, even though I couldn't explain everything in the Bible, I do think it is the most consistent narrative out of all religious texts that you can look at. Um, and, 
Uh, whereas there's parts of the Quran and the Hadith and, and other religious texts that just like openly directly contradict each other in just such glaringly obvious ways that there's, there's no way to reconcile it. Um, so you could go on and, and have the, 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 the conversation for a while, but I, yeah, I think for me, the main thing is the idea that the, the God of the Bible is the only God who came to us. Yeah, that's nice. That's good. Yeah. Any other thoughts? No, I, I think I think you you hit the nail on the head there. Oh. Yeah, so it matters. So Lewis, anybody else listening or watching, um, this is important. What you believe about this is important. And Jesus was more than a prophet or a good man. He is God. Yeah, um, if, if Jesus is is God, then that means what he says has authority. Yeah. For us, and what does he tell us to do? He tells us to repent. You know, yeah. And and turn to him. Um, so that means we can't do it through any other means. We can't do it through Buddha or through yeah, whatever, you know. And I think that's important to know because, yes, the, the, the golden rule, the main commandment is, is love God, love others. Like, I really do think living out the Christian faith and the, and the core of the gospel is boiled down to that. But there's also a clear call to repentance as well. Um, so just loving people and acting Christ-like... Um, doesn't have any bearing on our eternal destiny uh, if if we don't repent. Yeah, so that that brings us to our next question, does it not? Um, what what can you restate the question that that next question about be people being Christ-like? Well, well, the first one we kind of answered earlier. Could you be could you be Christ-like without being a Christian? Yeah, uh, so I want to address? address that more. Um, that's a hard question for me to answer. Be, because I would like to know what is meant by being Christ-like. Mm. Because here's here's the reality: is that there are there are, most people are decent people. Yeah, I know. Um, I know many people who are not Christians. Who I would say that is generally a decent person. I would say a good person in the theological sense. I can't say anybody's good, you know. Um, but just like in in the more common sense of the word, yeah, most people are good people. You know, they 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 love their parents. They um, they give to charity. They don't abuse their dog. You know, most people would you know check you know check the marks. They're they're good people. Um, now, Christ-like, um, what does it mean to be Christ-like? Mm, yeah. Uh, that's an important question to answer, because Christ was more than just being a good dude, right? I mean, really, if we talk about being what what, what does Christ-like mean, actually, to be Christ-like means that you're perfect. Right. Because Christ perfectly kept the law, and when it says... When when the, the greatest commandment is to, Jesus said this himself. The, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your all of your mole, all your <laughs> all of your soul. You have a mole. All of your mind so and I all guess your that was strength. Personal. Jesus is the only one to do that perfectly, right? Every single second of every single day, I fail to keep that commandment. Yeah. And nobody on earth has kept that commandment perfectly. Everybody fails. Um, nobody actually 
meets that standard to love God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, or whatever the saying is. Um, but Jesus, every single second of his life, he perfectly kept that command. Yeah, that's what it means to be Christ-like. I yeah, think. yeah. Uh, I don't so in that sense, so, I don't think anybody's Christ-like. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. I was thinking of it more from a like uh, so just emulating aspects of Christ's character, so like being say, humble, being loving, you right? Know. And I, I'm and sure, and even self-sacrificial, you know, demonstrations of love. I'm sure that that's what the questioner was really asking: is right. can you be a good person? without knowing Christ. Right. But Christ wasn't a good person. He was a perfect person. He was a perfect person. And the law requires perfection. Yeah. And so when we say that, you know, can you be a good person, get to heaven, the answer is no. Yeah. You know, it'd be, it'd, our, our, our good works are just filthy rags in the spiritual sense, in the spiritual economy. Right? Very true. Our, our good works have no eternal significance for our salvation. Um, so why? So the question that I struggle with then is why, if if in a spiritual sense we're not good, and how how do how come people of other faiths how come they do good things? You know, that was all just the question that that I've thought about, um, and and to that I could only say it's by God's grace. Right, and he's. And, and we're all made in the image of God. Um, whether we choose to repent and follow him or not, we're all made in his image. Um, and so I think there are um, aspects of our character and our being that are going to reflect him, whether we choose to recognize that or it's intentional or not. Yeah, even, even you know, like you said, self-sacrifice. Yeah. There are plenty of atheists who've done very loving things. Yeah. And have exemplified sacrificial love. Like I know. said earlier, sometimes better than most Christians. Yes. <laughs> you know, and that's, I think that's why it's a valid question. It's like, well, what does it matter? Because unfortunately, much of particularly American Christianity has misrepresented what it means to be a Christ follower. Yes. Yes. Um, but thankfully, uh, our salvation isn't based on our deeds, and I think right. God's grace God and mercy that. are abundant. Yes. Uh, and I'm very, very grateful for that. Amen. Any other questions that were in that, that onion question? No, that's it. We got to the final layer. We got all, 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 all the layers. You know what they say, Ryan, onions are like ogres. Yes. You know what else they say? Ogres are like Connors. That's mean. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Yayit. No. Oh, you want me to say that now? <laughs> Unless you have anything else you wanted to share. Oh, yeah. One more thing. Yayit. <laughs>